Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. I almost did it again. Damn it. Uh, oh, yeah. This isn't the Patreon. These this is not the Patreon. People, this is yeah. for the freeloaders. Um, <laughs> this is for everyone. It's for the exactly. people. It's for, yes, absolutely. That's very Marxist of you, David. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> exactly. the it's nice to play into our brand. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I mean, real answer. I am so stressed out. I had a guy, I was just telling you and our guest off mic that I was visiting my family uh, whom I haven't seen like my mom, my siblings, their spouses, all their many, many children haven't seen since before the pandemic. It was great for my wife and I to get back together with them. But, um, I means I came back late last night and spent the day at work, just, I mean, working from home, but still just like, it's been, a uh, crazy day uh so it's good to r- unwind at the end of the day uh and we'll and we'll uh we'll do that with this great podcast but first tyler i want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com what's up now tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they they look great they sound great tyler and i use them each and every day of our lives tyler you know i i love to use this segment where i talk about what i've been listening to on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds i'm very aware of that yes but i love to use it to talk about like intentionally talk about things that you have no idea about so i I will say i uh i was listening today to the new nas album Nas the rapper Mm-hmm. Uh, his you. album's called King's Disease Two, a single, a sequel, I guess, to his album King's Disease from 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 last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eminem does a guest verse uh, oh. on the album. And I don't know if you know Tyler. About twenty years ago, there was a Nas Jay Z beef, oh. and Nas in one of his songs called Ether, where it was like a diss track about Jay Z. He says about Jay-Z, Eminem murdered you on your own shit, meaning he had Eminem, Jay-Z had Eminem on a song, and Eminem was a better rapper on that song than Jay-Z was on his own song. It's okay. like a famous bit of like rap beef. So when I saw, just before I even listened, when I saw that Eminem was on a Nas track, I was like, I gotta go to Twitter and see how many people on rap Twitter have tweeted that Eminem murdered Nas on his own shit. And uh, I was not disappointed. It was a, a, a huge uh, reaction. I don't know that I agree that Eminem murdered Nas on his own shit. I think Eminem's verse is very good on the album. I think the album as a whole is quite good, but uh, I just wanted to go on at length about a, a bit of rap history that Tyler does not know or care about. That you're definitely the latter. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> because that's will... fun for me. And I will say, though, that it's still it's kind of admirable slash pitiful that you're still in this phase of life where you hear something and think, I'd better go to Twitter and see what people are saying, because I feel like that's not a great instinct, David. I feel like it's a good way to get angry. That's what Twitter is for. If, as Roger Ebert said, movies are a machine that generate empathy. (laughs) Twitter is a machine that generates anger. Yeah, it just decimates. Yeah. Twitter is where you go to get angry about something you never would have known about if you didn't go to Twitter. That's what Twitter is for. Anyway, yeah, all of this sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So uh, please, I implore you, go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes? Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. We have a guest, a first-time guest that we're both very excited about because we are both very, very excited comedy nerds. Yes. Uh, joining us. And for- also, oh. but it's not just it's not okay. just comedy, though, David. It's it's uh, this guy is a prolific actor who's shown up in, in many of our favorite films and TV shows. And, yeah. you know, I was I was re- refreshing, kind of reminding myself of like the stuff he'd been in. And I was like, 
that too that's very it's so exciting yeah a lot of credits is he's a comedian he's an actor he's a writer he's got a new uh comedy special uh that's called well i guess i'm going to give away uh the 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 guest's name it's rick overton set list please welcome to battleship retention rick overton hey thanks so much appreciate it uh yeah i had that same because of course i know like you're the drake like that's a that's a big one that's a big one love uh, the drake hate the drake just keep saying the drake (laughs) network goes hey drake's coffee shop or donut place or food truck or um yeah but i had the 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 experience i had of like going through credits and remember the one that that stuck out to me was like oh you were anna lucia's therapist on lost (laughs) <laughs> when, when she was uh, heard that badge back too soon yeah i think yeah i think We're you did yeah with that yeah she i mean she 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 snowed you she had you fooled i guess that she was okay <laughs> to go back She's to the force cool in the session she was very chill during the session yeah, i sure. you know, that's all i had to go on is that they, they don't show me the flashbacks <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so how have you been rick uh, been uh, been uh, having fun, you know, in my own weird way. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I've done so many zooms. I've become a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> form a union. I'm going to form a union for all. It's called uh, Zag. Uh, right. Zoom attendees guild, and there are no benefits as of yet. But uh, as long as you keep sending the dues in to me, and I'm covered, then I'll start thinking about swag and you know get a t-shirt or a cup or something. And then Rick, don't, that's don't why people join this. unions <laughs> for, the, for, for the swag. swag. <laughs> that's why people join unions is for the swag. Don't say union. Well, unless it's Zig. Zig is the one for when you're just Zoom interested guild. So there's you can go either Zig or Zag, you know. And one day they'll merge. They'll have to. Yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> just you know, just for, uh, for uh, what do you call that? Uh, synchronicity. Is that yeah. what it is? And all the synergy. Synergy. From. That's it. See, synergy. David, you're in the you're in the corporate environment. I am not. Uh, that's true. Uh, now, Rick, I'm going to start by asking you the question that I always like to ask first-time guests, which is simply, where are you from? Where did you grow up? Originally Forest Hills, New York, and then moved out to Englewood, New Jersey in 1966. Oh, what was that like? It was a transition into the suburbs because yeah. parking was getting weird in Queens. So that's, <laughs> that's when it was like. There was parking in Queens before that, like 65, you know, <laughs> 64. <laughs> and so also my dad worked with uh, jazz musicians, Thelonious Monk mm-hmm. and Izzy Gillespie. They were friends and they lived in Englewood, New Jersey. And they said, hey, how about living near us in like the suburbs, which is considered like a suburb of Manhattan. Englewood mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. across the George Washington Bridge and a little bit north near and yeah, near the Sopranos. I don't know if it has any, <laughs> there's any X reference point for you there, but, uh, is that where, cause I think, uh, I'm a big Sopranos nerd. Uh, I think canonically within the show, Tony Soprano lives in West Caulfield. Is that, uh, is that a real town? Uh, that could be, I just know they shot a few scenes in Englewood cliffs and stuff like right. that. So, you know, I'm just talking about the area, like where Eddie Murphy lived for a while. And, uh, there's like a lot of mob in Englewood Cliffs because uh, regular people can't afford all that. So jazz musicians, comedians, and the mob. Mob lived on the hill. We lived down on the flat part. Okay. Got it. Okay. Middle part. We didn't live up on the hill part. So there's Englewood Cliffs. You got to put the cliffs part in. You live sure. near cliff. Oh. We live in just Englewood, just trees and streets, and it just keeps going. But it was Dwight Morrow High School. I went to school with John Travolta. Oh, how's how about he doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you still and in touch? Lewis went to our school. So it did turn out, they had a great arts department. They turned out mm. funny. They they encouraged funny and good, you know. Hmm. Uh, do you, you see John Travolta at the, at the class reunions still? <laughs> no, I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, but we took flying lessons together with Ms. Patton. And she wow. was uh, Women's Air Corps during the war. And she was one of the first female flight instructors. And uh, so we studied with her. And he wow. kept them going and he could fly. And he's, that's why he's a pilot. Yeah. I did until the money ran out. And then I wasn't a pilot yet, but I could, sure. I know how to. Wow. Okay. So you, wait, you didn't, your high school didn't teach flying. This was outside of high school. Oh, it was the flying club. Oh, okay. Mar- the flying club at Dwight Morrow high school. 
Wow. Yeah. You, when they don't pay for your going up and stuff, you had to kick in for fuel and, you know, but it, back then it wasn't as bad for aviation fuel and the, you know, students would split it up. Wow. That's cool. I don't know. My high school had a literary magazine with bad poetry, bad teenage poetry. That's about as cool as it got. We didn't have any oh, people cool. flying planes. <laughs> and that, Hey, that shit was free. You didn't have to pay anything for that. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so what was uh, uh, what was going to the movies uh, like in Englewood, New Jersey, in the in the sixties? Uh, you know, the, the, we would uh, try to get in to see <laughs> adult type of movies when we were too young to do it. You know, that was a lot okay. of that backdoor chicanery. Try to sneak in and see an adult movie when we were too young uh, yeah. to get in. And, uh, you know, the, or just go to James Bond or whatever the hell was. Oh, yeah. Violence was fine, by the way. That's yeah. Look, come on in, kids. Yeah, that's still the case. Sugar while you're watching death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's something that I. Uh, so, Rick, uh, r- recently I'm, I, I've uh, become a, a teacher specifically about film history and stuff. And in talking about the, the rating system, it's just so fascinating that, like, I guess it's understandable that the PG-13 wouldn't come around for a while. But that does mean that uh, that PG covered a lot. So, like, when you're watching Jaws and you see Robert Shaw getting just ripped apart and blood coming out of his mouth, you're like, yeah, that's fine. PG. No problem. Yeah, uh, right. What, you know, what, that's not going to bother any kids. It's a rubber shark. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yes. There are people won't. That rubber shark is putting a lot of people into therapy instead of in the water. They all got out of the water after the rubber shark. That's right. It's I remember there's there's like a, there's been this debate amongst uh, certain people like, is Jaws a horror movie? And I had a lot of friends who said no, but I grew up in California. It's like, go in the ocean. It's a horror movie. It will become a horror movie the moment you can't feel the you can't see the bottom of the water. Even if you're in a lake, uh, you'll you'll immediately start thinking of Jaws, and that's how you know it's a horror movie and not like a fun adventure. Right, right. It plays off your fears. Oh my, yes. Yeah. Hard supposed to do find that button because a lot of them they don't find it. I'll hmm. be honest with you, a rubber monster doesn't hit the button for me. Okay. How they're made. I've been behind the scenes too much. I've worn the rubber. I've been the big (laughs) bugaboo guy, you know, so I know there's like, I know the process. All I'm thinking is you poor sweating bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Four hours in the goddamn chair and you don't get a line in the whole film, do you? Every day you're just there. You're just sewed in your straw, reading the script, you know, and you're, "Mm." um, well, what, well, okay. What are some of your favorite? What horror movies work? What are some of your favorite horror movies? Uh, don't look now. Okay, it's a good yeah, one. That's a Hard great movie. Beat. You know, uh, let's scare Jessica to death. Oh yeah. Um, the possession of Joel Delaney. Hmm. I don't know that one. I don't know that one either. Uh, let me get you. Let's look it up. Again, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, got my phone here. <laughs> Look it up. I want to yeah. race. You probably got ahead of me. Uh, possession of Joel uh, Delaney, 1972. Shirley Plain and and uh, and uh, who was her uh, brother? Warren Beatty. <laughs> no, um, I know. Let's see who else is in it. Uh, Perry King. Perry David, King played her brother. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. That's Joel Delaney. Yeah, directed by Waris Hussein. Oh, wow. I don't know. I don't know him. I'm going to check this one out. Yeah, that sounds very exciting. It's um, cool. And it's, you know what scares me? Like, the body snatcher scares me. Uh, rubber dude doesn't scare me. <laughs> Giant gimbaled thing doesn't scare me <laughs> i'm a nerd i know how every bit of that works yeah character I, slowly shifting and changing is fucking scary because it's something we can relate to especially anyone's ever been in a relationship or just any relationship and then they change and that's weird and why did you change and you know 
Uh, these days in particular, anyone can relate to just watching people, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's sometimes you, you wonder if the, the zombie apocalypse isn't already upon us. And it was just an analogy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, I do think uh, as far as like someone changing, but also incorporating a lot of the rubber suits and stuff, I think the fly, the David Cronenberg, the fly is a, is one that really works for me. And that's because he was changing before the rubber. Yeah, oh, that's a good. He was point. turning yeah. into a sugar cokehead fly guy, but he was a dry, he was using cocaine behavior, you know. Yeah, well, that's for sure. That was the drug, and look, I can punch the wall, and who else can do that? Look what I can do, ego, and yeah. uh, weird blow off mean confidence. He was totally using like the a, a cokehead for that, and then. Uh, then the humble later, he sees what it turned him into and he's like apologizing, but it's too late. Uh, I thought uh, that was so that interesting. Was um, it's there, but his character led the way first. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful, it's the kind of thing that like from an Oscar standpoint, it feels like Jeff Goldblum should have been nominated for an Oscar for that movie, but it's not the type of movie. It's a yeah. horror movie. So they, the Oscars don't think like that. I think they do now. They I do now. I think. I'm sorry. What was that? I think now they do. Mm -hmm. Certainly yeah. if they uh, love or fantasy element in it, uh, shape of water, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Were there, so the, the were there acting nominations for shape of water? I don't remember. Tyler's a better uh, Oscar. Uh, yeah. Than... Everything except lead actor. Um, so it was Sally Hawkins and Richard Jenkins and um, Octavia Spencer. All three of them were nominated. Yeah. But I thought Doug should have gotten a little more of the, Noticed him. I thought what he did was also great. And it wasn't all just the added digital performance. There was something he gave to it. You know, he's very lyrical. He moves yeah. in a musical way. Yeah. The, uh, the, the story goes that that sort of fantasy like dance sequence, they had a, a dancer ready to fill in for Doug at that point, And the dancer couldn't handle the, the costume and the suit. So Doug ended up doing it himself because he was the only one who knew how to move in that suit. He's the master of yeah. conveying yeah. through, you know, five inches of something or other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, that's also a Lon Chaney level gift. Oh yeah. Sell it's, it through the goo, you know? And it is a, it, we've had Doug on the show before and, uh, and yeah, just to hear like he's the sweetest man in the world. But all you really got to do is start to hint that that's not real acting, and you'll see the shift. You'll see you'll see the anger come through um, because of course it's it's tremendously difficult. And you know if it's then like what was Karloff doing in in Frankenstein if he wasn't acting? Come on, there's there are great examples of it all through through film history. And there's just stuff that looks like it's the rubber thing. And what are you going to do? Well, yeah, we've okay, so we touched on you and I uh, were texting yesterday. I was in the Denver airport on the layover. Uh, <laughs> we were texting yesterday and you met, I was asking you what you're into movie wise. And you said effects, you're like an effects uh, geek. Hmm. So what, uh, what are some movies that do it right? Uh, movies that do it right. Yeah. Going back. Yeah, it'll go. Yeah, go as far back. We're uh, we're steeped in pretension here. So, uh, uh, Forbidden Planet does it right. Sure, it uses Ellen Shaw glass paintings, uh, but it uses seamless, pretty seamless wire work on the models. No wobble, you know, very little. The tiniest, almost non-perceptible. When the uh, little cylinder comes down for the C fifty-seven landing, it. Uh, there's a, a model work. I'm a big model wire work, practical nerd, you know, yeah. and they got a, they did a great job with it. And the, the tireless pew pew, by the way, you want to know where pew pew came from? That's the movie it came from. Really? Every <laughs> other movie that had little segmented bolts going at subsonic speed made of pure energy, like a tracer round. That's all coming from the guns and the blasters from forbidden planet. Also, all spaceships that have a circular linear drive thing of some sort turning around to drive it forward, C-57D is the first ship to get that, and all the other shows copied it afterwards, whether it was Star Trek or Lost in Space and lots of things today. Oh, that's very cool. 
Uh, I, I haven't seen that one. Well, probably, I haven't seen the movie in probably 20 years. I should watch this yeah. again. Yeah, it was great. You know, a lot that set the model for so many things, military crews, how they would set up and, you know, what are their protocols, all that Star Trek stuff. A lot of it came from there. And uh, then we'll go on to 20,000 Leagues. Okay. Another, the giant squid. Yeah. That's, you know, for 1954. And the Nautilus blasting through those uh, ships. I became friends with the designer of the Nautilus. Hmm. I, uh, I got to befriend Harper Goff. Yeah, I just idolized his work. He also designed the Proteus for... Uh, 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 incredible, uh, fantastic voyage and yeah. uh, shrink it down and put it in the blood of the guy. I do love the, I do love the design of the Nautilus. I think it just looks so because in the, in the context of the film, it has to conceivably kind of look like a sea monster so that people could confuse it for that while still being undeniably mechanical. And it's, and it has that kind of cool, riveted like sort of steam what we would refer to now as like steampunk that kind of retro thing and i i uh i do love the look of the nautilus like i i went to a i went to a disneyland in uh japan and they have like an entire section of that is devoted to like jules verne and yep. so they have like oh. the, the the nautilus just like sitting there docked and uh and it, it's the same design as in the movie and uh, it's pretty amazing and uh it's uh interesting he had to change from the book because mm -hmm. the book was a just basically a a cigar with a metal spike at the end of it and a propeller on the other end with a rudder and it was smooth and and black and welded and no rivets and the problem with that is the eye is familiar with that by 1954 we have a nuclear one of those already yeah. so that uh. in, in the 1870s just anything coming out of the water made a metal you're like What's what's this? The harpoon bounces off. You know, there's no reference in their brain for it. But now everyone knows since U-boats, that's, yeah. you know, you, you better up the game. And so by upping the game, he went back in the other direction, just started using what would have been technological of, uh, availability at the time, rivets yeah. and flat panels bent into, into shapes that weren't completely compound at any point. The, like cool. seen in Civil War ships. Yeah. What was it? There was a, the Hunley. Was that the name of like the, the civil war, like submarine? Uh, yeah. I saw like a TV movie about it many years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, doing this in the middle of there and you're going maybe a half a mile an hour. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's hard when, not to, of course, off you sink too. That's, that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to not, I mean, obviously people lost their lives and, and, any new technology, especially war technology, the first ones out of the gate are probably not going to make it. But it's hard not to look at that as uh, like almost comedic, just like people like a, a rowing submarine. Like it just feels so wrong. Isn't this exciting being the first ones to test this technology, guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh now, uh, before we get any further, I want to go uh, go back to the, the the mention your new thing that you have out the the set list. Um, I know this is a we know from uh, friend of the show Will Anderson. He uh, loves Will to do set lists. Fantastic he loves, at set lists. Yeah, it's like his his favorite. I know this is a Paul Provenza thing. Yeah. So, uh, what, uh, so, yeah, to, so, it's called Rick Overton's first set list special and it's based on a game called set list where they have put a projection screen behind you and you don't know what you're going to say when you come up on stage you go in cold you don't have a set act first suggestion projects behind you you're talking 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 turn and just include it in what you're saying as right. though and you either allude to it by title but sometimes it's more fun just sort of just work around it and everybody does the math to know that's what you're talking about. And they're all very proud of themselves. And they laugh harder at that. But the whole point is it's an improvised game of playing off these suggestions you've never seen. And they're not normal. Uh, they're not normal words or airline food or dating or things like that. There's no, no gimmies like that. It'll be um, clown car wash, you know, or something like that. <laughs> 
Who's coming up with these? Is, that, is Paul Provenza coming up with them? Sometimes Paul does, but Troy Conrad is the creator of the game. Oh, okay. okay. A lot of his suggestions, like it always has been traditionally. And uh, you can't see what it is. And they do five, six of them in a row. But I tried to see if I could get a whole special out of That's great. Now, where can people, where can people find it? Improvised special. And where can people see it? Amazon Prime is one of the places. You can also rent it on YouTube. And uh, it's on ComedyDynamics.com. All right. I, uh, I'm very much looking forward, looking forward to that, to, to watching that. Uh, I started getting stressed out just by hearing you describe it. <laughs> oh, uh, like that. I like that part. Yeah, and I exactly. Yeah. The deep shit sometimes I because I really <laughs> set each bit up. I come into it going, you know, folks, I have a very firm belief about certain things in life. I mean, there's no it's cut and dry and there's no wiggle room, <laughs> especially when it comes to it. And something has nothing to do with what I'm talking about at all. I just <laughs> dug myself mud pit. I go, oh, God, I walked in and went right down the manhole cover. And so some of the comedy is me going up over the mud, going back down again, you know. And I think the thing uh, that fascinates uh, me comedy improv trouble. One of the things that fascinates me about that is that a you have to make it coherent. So there's that. That's the first thing. But then along the way. You are expected to make people laugh with what you say. I feel like that's when I hear because because uh, David mentioned. Uh, well, Tyler, we're talking to a professional here. What's up? That's that, that might be a challenge for you, but this is a professional comedian. Well, I didn't say it'd be a challenge for me. I'm just saying it sounds stressful. I think I could do it. I think almost any any thinking person could probably do uh, it. Right. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be surprised surprised how many people are actually very good at it and they're Mm. not always known to be stand-ups my buddy mike mcshane the brilliant improvisationalist Mm. from whose line is it anyway oh right uh, i talked him into doing it and Mm. he said man i don't i said you don't need to know that stand-up you leave it at the door here because this is the part you do and you'll just know how to put it into a, a frame of a monologue and he did and he crushed it he's one of the crushed guys now Hmm. And That's so it's not without any stand up really behind it. Performance, yes, but stand yeah. up. Uh, no, well, okay, okay. I, I'm I'm trying to make uh, segues happen here. Speaking of comedy and special effects, another movie you mentioned we were texting yesterday is Doctor Strange Love. Is one of your favorite yeah, movies yeah. of all time. I know yeah. it's one of Tyler's favorite movies of all time uh, as well. Um, but I've never really thought about it that much from an effects uh, uh, standpoint. So uh, maybe that's a testament to how well they're done that I'm not really thinking about it while I'm watching it. Not that many effects. It's mostly mm-hmm. projection screen on the B-52 set of Russian low-level terrain going by mm-hmm. or whatever it is out the window, right? That's pretty much it. And then the large-scale model with wires roaring over the, uh, the, the snow capped mountains and stuff like that. And it's the same team, uh, in England that did, uh, out of pine tree that did, um, the MIGs <clears throat> in ice station zebra. Remember mm. that scene where there's this, I've never actually seen ice station zebra. I know it. What's that? I said, I've never actually seen ice station <coughs> zebra. I know, I know the movie, but I've never seen it. It's a great, it's a cool suspense thriller from the sixties, hmm. a killer cold war thriller. And, uh, so th- there's, there's these scenes where you can see it flying along, but you look on the ground and it's a B 17 shadow. That was the camera plane. Oh, wow. Same, Same manufacturer. It's just a uh, different plane. B 52 in the air, B 17 shadow. That's something only a f- aviation nerd would notice, but, uh, and then you'll notice that there's a great scene with the MIGs flying over the ice in mm-hmm. Ice Station Zebra, and it's the same team. And they made it, they were the only ones doing seamless wire work at the time, like that. A lot of other things you could see. Ah, there's the wire, like right in front of you. What are you doing? That is something that, as you know, I mean, 
in the early day, I remember the early days of Blu-ray. There was this, oh. this this feeling of like, well, let's have something be as clear as it can be. No. Well, that's every that's not always scene, great. Yeah. Every lace, every seam of makeup. Oh, it's yeah. merciless. And and then I think finally they like the the companies sort of got enough complaints that they realized like, yeah, make it look as good as it did when it was released. Don't make it look conceivably like better, yeah, quote unquote better. You know, like because there's uh, even a movie that I happen to really love and I'm I might be alone in it is The Shadow. I'm a big fan of The Shadow with uh, Alec Baldwin. And yeah. I love I love the look of it and all that. And I saw it in the theater and I remember really loving it. And there is a certain artificiality to it. But uh, I got the, the Blu-ray and it looks really good. But there's a moment where you can very clearly see where the set stops and the backdrop starts. Like you can yeah. literally see it shift. It goes back and into green. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and it's just like, oh, man, it didn't oh. look like that. Uh, you get so the yeah. drinking bird <laughs> in the shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um or the seeing on like a, a high K screen, uh, an old version of Star Wars with the square, 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 square. Oh, yeah. High fighters fly by where they're matted in. And it was all lost on uh, 70 mil or 35. And it all, they had to redo it. They had to ma they had to airbrush all that out just to make it jump to digital. There's a lot of things you have to repair from old films. Yeah for them to be forgivable in the new format. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I do think that it's kind of a, there are times when it's a bit of a bummer that I think uh, again, in, in teaching the classes that I teach and, and dealing with the, with younger movie watchers, there is this attitude of <sighs> sort of superiority. Oh, like as far as newer movies being superior to older ones, simply because technology is better. And it's like, well, it's not about that doesn't automatically make a movie better more watchable it just makes certain aspects of it more seamless like for my money yes the shark in jaws looks fake but robert shaw is actually in that thing's mouth he's actually screaming and there's actually blood as opposed to like a shark that's completely digital and the actors who probably do a fine job but they have to actually they have to like fake it completely as opposed to it's like hey yeah that might be a big rubber robotic shark in jaws but the actor's still inside it Samuel and, uh, Jackson deep blue sea <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. I, that is where my mind went yeah <laughs> he, he crawls out just half of them <laughs> but what i'm trying to come back at again <laughs> I, I recently uh, discovered by way of a Jaws Facebook group I'm a part of that there was a, uh, uh, a graphic novel called Hendrix. And it was all about the deputy who dis who uh, goes on his own adventures and decides he wants to stay. He wants to stay away from like the shark infested waters. So he moves into the middle of the desert and and uh, encounters the uh, the graboids from Tremors. And uh, that sounds so wonderful to me. And he runs into Kevin Bacon and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, those are pretty cool uh, monsters, the 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 graboids. They well, those the are pretty seamless. Yeah, I think uh, some of the later ones got a little. I don't want to see them that much. Oh, yeah. point is not supposed to see them. And and look, my film five, you got to see them. That's one of the yeah. big problems. That's why Blair Witch one is scary. Blair Witch two isn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have yeah. To know everybody. Yeah, I love how uh, Tremors does so many cool things without showing, like you're saying, like they've got like the wooden planks of the porch outside the general store, just like accordioning, accordioning, yeah. accordioning, like yeah. uh, like in an old like cartoon as the things going under. Or I love the uh, the jackhammer that gets stuck in, the, in yeah. the graboid and just goes along the ground. There's so many cool ideas in, in that movie without actually uh, before you ever actually see one. It kind of uses the Warner Brothers cartoon method. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Yosemite loads himself in the cannon in one castle and he's got it lined up. So he's going to go right through the opening window in the minaret on the other castle. The Bugs is in and boom. And then from inside Bugs's minaret, you see the brick right below the window go and push in. <laughs> and you go, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> we love doing the math up to a certain point. We're very proud of ourselves when we do some of the math. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Rick, here's the thing. We're talking about visual effects. We're talking about your career. I'm so sorry. It's only a matter of time before we arrive at Willow. Oh, yeah. Um, and we have arrived there. I'm so sorry. We're of a, <laughs> David and I are of a certain age. And yeah. Willow was a big movie for me as a kid yeah. b- before I realized just how structurally similar it is to star wars <laughs> it's very similar um Don't you know who kevin and i are yeah uh, uh R- the uh, r2d2 yeah. yeah yeah and we're, we're the bickering dudes in uh in uh the seven samurai um yeah yeah no, uh, the um wait uh it's the other one that the bickering well, dudes are in right um, yeah well, it's a it's kind of a tradition. hidden fortress. Hidden fortress. Hidden fortress. Yeah, is the one hidden I was thinking. Fortress. Hidden fortress. Thank you. Hidden fortress. We were supposed to be, uh, you know, annoying comedy relief. I guess. <laughs> I think we nailed it. But um, well, so, I mean, I certainly, you're... like you know, we nine year old me thought it was hilarious. Sure, so they did the job when oh, I was nine. Oh, yeah. yeah, and you know, we we. Uh, we held the record for the most amount of superimposed people that broke the record of Darby O'Gill and the little people. Sure. Wow. So what was the way? Hey, is, did you still hold that record? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of little people running around films that maybe uh, small soldiers since then. Oh, like yeah. the Joe borrowers, Dante. maybe the borrowers or something like that, which came maybe out the same the year. Bar- yeah, either Small Soldiers or the Borrowers might be the two. My buddy yeah. Gavin Scott, who I got to work with, uh, and I was the creative consultant on The Secret Adventures of Jules Verne. I designed a lot of the machinery and the technology. Wow. So that wow. was a short-lived sci-fi series that shot in Canada. Hmm. And we, we were very proud of the steampunk kind of things we made. Um, uh, speaking of special or, or effects related, I guess this is more stunt related, uh, records. I, I didn't watch the last couple of seasons of game of Thrones, but I do like that during one of the dragon attacks, they apparently set and hold the record for most number of stuntmen on fire in a single shot at one time. They, game of Thrones set that record. That's, that's uh, that, uh, impressive. That, I am, uh, in, in love with stunt people. I love stunt people. I would hang out with them on a set. I watch them and talk and we got to be cool. And they'd let me do stunts sometimes. So you just love them all the more once you've done a few stunts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I love like there's, uh, I like the, um, the stunt man who occasionally like it's a graduate to just actor, like, uh, uh, uh-huh. in the first, in the first John wick, there's like the main heavy that he keeps encountering throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's just like a, professional stunt guy um i'm trying to think one of christopher walken's henchmen in um the rundown which is a movie that i love and has a bunch of great stunts in it wow um, wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> but one of his henchmen was a stunt was a stuntman on a movie that i was a pa on when i first moved out here hey, um, hey. so yeah i like i like recognizing stuntmen in 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 movies i got to meet uh uh peter sellers a stuntman ages ago when we were uh-huh. on the uh, on set and I talked with him for a short while and he was telling me that Peter liked doing some of the stuff up to a point and then would hand it over. Like, you know, when he's on the parallel bars, I remember when I was a young man, I, <laughs> the stairs and stunt man comes down the stairs and go, and he come, comes up right away. And they, they have a whole routine as I just thought it was like a stagecraft. It was a camera running during stagecraft. Yeah. Yeah, but done like that for a sketch. And I love that because I think, and I I may be guilty of this too. When we talk about stuntmen, we tend to think of action movies first. But like a lot of comedy has 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 stunts uh, has stunts in it. I was actually just watching. I don't know if you watched the Netflix uh, sketch show. I think you should leave. I'm so obsessed. I've watched it multiple times. But oh, I've just... seen it yet. I'll check it out. Yeah, there's a in in the first season. There's a, a bit where a guy, a presenter at award show, like falls going up the stairs like he trips falls onto the stage and then rolls off the stage on onto the floor and it's like funny and it's and it's only a part of the sketch because the real sketch is about that after he's on the floor a dog comes up and starts humming his head (laughs) Um, but i've watched it multiple times i watched the sketch multiple times and it's such a great stunt like it's it's so funny and it's not what people think people think of stunts as like you know 
the triple X movie, like a Vin Diesel movie or something like that. And those are stunts too, obviously, but, um, uh, comedy is, uh, often very physical. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've gotten, I've gotten to do some pretty wacky stuff. Yeah. I wanted to have my timing during the gag. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. To the standard cartwheel and tuck and roll and land, you know, I, <laughs> I, I want the, the clumsy grabbing at things and, you know, the imperfection of it. Yeah. That's it's your territory is the imperfections. That's all yours. If you learn to market, you know, it's, that's where it'll all be. <laughs> Own your imperfections, catalog them, reuse them. Huh? Everything that you hated about yourself at another time, the clumsiness, the awkward thing you said, just turn it around, give it to a character to do. And it releases that same awkwardness for everyone else who's ever experienced it. And it becomes your best friend and it pays all the bills. Right, and it's also, it's, I mean, it's probably, yeah, very therapeutic as well. I thought yeah. we're getting kind of Zen here with, with that. Yeah. 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 Make it your friend, put it to work. It's cost you enough. Yeah, I, I really like that. I, I feel like, yeah. I mean, you're talking about comedy, but I feel like that's something we could like, you could apply it to your life. Anyone could apply it to their, 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 their lives. Like uh, embrace the things that you uh, maybe, you know, I have a tendency to think about something embarrassing. I said years ago and like wince and like, you know, maybe I should embrace that. I'd be a better person if I could like come to terms with things that I uh, screwed up in the past or times that I made a fool of myself. There's different like ways, but I say as a performer, you're the way you're doing it is you're giving it to a character that will get a laugh for having done it. So part of your ego could go, Ooh, they're laughing at me. But the other part goes, shut the fuck up. They're looking this book, yeah. this up. They're bringing us back in. Shut up. Just roll with it. And then until it learns to love itself. Mm. And that, so all those traits he used to, oh, why did I say that in front of her? And, oh, that was so embarrassing and all that. Go, boy, give it to a guy to do his, in a sketch or something like that. And suddenly it's like, oh, God, all those mistakes. I'm sitting on an Alexandrian library of this, of fuck ups. <laughs> yeah. I'm an imperfectionist. You know, it's the goal I can reach every day. <laughs> what you're saying is is i like david what you're saying is resonating with me in a way that i'm frankly not that comfortable with but that's uh, the point because that's the idea yes uh because because like well i'm not an actor so how can i take my own mistakes that i've made in life and make them work for me as opposed to just trying to repress them and they show up anyway but uh but yeah, so I'm just you're, saying like on top of everything else, you're a guru, Rick, is what is what I'm saying. You should set something up, you know, a church or something. You know. <laughs> That's it. That's if I could just get you with a card table out at the airport for me, that would be <laughs> money for uh, money for Rick. I'm sorry, who? Rick. <laughs> Rick, who? Oh, just money for Rick. <laughs> so, so far, you're setting up a fraudulent union yes. two of them all and the rich, all the ricks it's we'll call it an embarrassment of riches <laughs> oh <laughs> that's the kind of stuff we can expect from your special i'm sure those kind of quick uh, uh, well now uh, we have to cut it out i just burned it so now we have to cut it off oh yeah sorry about that <laughs> i don't I think you need to again. worry <laughs> i don't think you need to worry about cutting anything else uh, anything out because you said it on this show i think you're going to be fine we got <laughs> listeners are we, we have listeners. listeners. Yes, we got oh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, subscribed. Oh, oh, all right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, well, now I feel like I got to uh, oh, uh, step it up. Um, what right, we got to delete like half of our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> well, what are some of your other uh, favorite movies? That's that's what we always talk to first time guests about. Just favorite favorite movies. Uh, so I guess all of we, we kind of chewed up a little bit of strange love there. Yeah. Yeah, sure. one of my favorite films, you know, where Peter Sellers gets to play different people. And you can see what a dream thing that is for performers. Lots of other performers have tried to do multi roles. Yeah. In films, you know. Oh, oh by the yeah. way, big detail about uh, Peter Sellers. Uh, you know, every hero has a hero. You know, his hero, Sellers' hero. Who? You, 
you know, and comedy hero, certainly. And then the one who inspired him to play multiple roles in films. But it's also, you you know, when he is using this tone, this nasal tone in his voice. Yes. Cato, you fool. I have the groceries, don't you know? Do you know why he has this tone? Because hero in other films earlier and one in which they'd worked together also had a very nasal sound. Is it Alec uh, Guinness? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, kind Hearts and Coronets is uh, uh, the multiple. That's the multiple character uh, when yes. you're, you're talking yeah. about, especially. Yeah. And, you know, Peter's like, all right. It is a it is a shame when someone I feel like I'm just complaining this whole time. I'm sorry. I guess I'm just in the mood. But um, the uh, it is a shame that like for so many people, Alec Guinness is is just Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's great in it. Don't get me wrong. And of course, his work with David Lean was also Mm -hmm. great. But like, well, he was an actor and a very versatile one. So he could do comedy as well. And the stuff that he did, like with Ealing was often delightful. Uh, like Lavender Hill mob is wonderful. Uh, Lady killers, which he was in with Peter Sellers. He's, yeah. he's delightful and totally over the top. And it's the kind of thing that you wouldn't, when you see it, you're like, Oh, I didn't know there was this side to him. And meanwhile, it was a pretty big side until everyone just kind of decided he's respectable. And that's all he is. It's that one part that they say, you just have to wait for that'll launch you. Mm-hmm. That also might sideline everything else you did so you have yeah. to be ready for that trade yeah i loved um uh, uh eric banna was a comedian in australia and then like came to america and started being like because he's good looking or whatever he was a leading man uh, yeah. uh and now i feel like he's become more of a character actor uh type and, and he's very good but i uh, uh i, I want to see uh, i want to see him cut loose and just be purely funny again well, you know, it's time to be a little, little more of the bad guy. A lot of comics wind up being uh, very, uh, very fine bad guys. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I think for modern standards, a bad guy has to have a funny wit about him just to get through the damn film. There has to be a funny <laughs> quirk about the bad guy and comics can get it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, it doesn't always work. Sometimes it's all oh, the comics just, oh, he's putting too much of a shtick in there because that's his thing. And, oh, I know they had to do it. But it kind of broke the mask a little bit. So, but there's a lot of people who did it just fine. They committed to it. And they're just really good actors. If you see the, the series uh, I'm Dying Up here on Showtime, there's a lot of comedians giving just splendid, splendid performances as actors, knocking it out of the park, crushing it, and not going for their shtick on any level. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I I feel like there's a lot of a lot of comedians who comic actors who could do drama more so than there are dram- dramatic actors that can suddenly do comedy. Like so, sometimes there are dramatic actors who turn around and you're like, oh wow, John Hamm's really funny or whatever, you know. But um, and but that doesn't mean oh really funny doesn't mean stand up funny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, That's true. <laughs> there, but, there have uh, been I've so been... many movies about stand up comedians which star non stand up comedians playing stand-up comedians and it is painful to watch well i know when i've watched comedians that they say things like this (laughs) am i right fourth wall (laughs) broke my nose on the fourth wall (laughs) no real contact with the audience well, I think we uh, we talked about this. Uh, I can't remember because the the last year and a half, all the year, all the time is just jumbled in my brain. But I can't, I can't remember how long we had Wayne Fetterman on to talk about stand up. And mm-hmm. I feel like even people who are stand ups in real life often are unconvincing in movies because movies aren't the same as being in the room and seeing a stand up. It, it, yeah. And lots of movies play off the you suck and it's tragic. Right. Sure. And it's tough for you when you get yeah. off and they don't write scenes where you destroy they write scenes where the sad, muted trumpet plays as you exit the club, and the rain-soaked street crane up as you walk towards the the busy, uncaring Hong Kong Boulevard. 
I thought you said for a second. I thought you said the Hong Kong Boulevard, and I was like, well, "This must be a specific where movie." Com- where all the comedy is right now. <laughs> that's that's where the scene is. Oh, really? Mainland China. That's where it's really happening. Over there. Yeah, okay. I was watching the news the other day. I couldn't stop laughing. It was uh, oh, it's hilarious. What have you been watching? Uh, during, I mean, I get, you know, where we had this, uh, it seemed like the pandemic was coming to, uh, uh, an end of sorts. And then the cases spiked again, but during this, like sort of endless, like staying at home and social distancing, what have you been, what, what movies have you been watching to keep yourself sane? Well, I've been watching handmaid's tale, you know, all the sure, light fair burn through those real quick. <laughs> oh, 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 what's that? Speaking of masks over your face, you know, I'm going to burn through the seasons pretty quickly. And uh, here's my impression of every end of every uh, episode of Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) Eyebrows raised, staring at the camera for the listen for the non non video, the the listeners, the podcast. Oh, next season, I'm really going to do something about this. Just wait, just be subscribing, chicken. <laughs> now, it oh, sounds now I've not watched the show because it sounds a little intense for me, uh, uh, but my wife uh, loves it. She's been watching it. And uh, so you've been uh, I can't tell if you like the show or not <laughs> based I on that. Well, you do. OK, you know, I, I believe in political consciousness and all that stuff. And sure. I think that uh, that is sort of an interesting parable for lots of things going on. Yeah. We are not living in Gilead right now, but man, this ain't America either. Mm. You know, it ain't what I, not what a lot of us remember. Yeah. Oh, you're bringing me down. I was going to say that I've been trying to like, <laughs> keep it light with the pandemic <laughs> viewing. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I have mostly been watching comedies. Although if you remember right at the beginning of the lockdown was when HBO aired the plot against America, that was like almost uncomfortably close to, uh, uh, to, to Donald Trump's America. Unfortunately, uh, I watched, uh, hunters. Oh, with Al Pacino. How was that? Like this, this time. (laughs) It was good. It was fun. It's supposed to be over the top. It's supposed to be Tarantino. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so uh, fact, satisfying wrong history. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So is his care. I haven't watched it. Is his character supposed to be Jewish? Yes. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like the, he's a, uh, uh, Nazi hunter. Right. Yeah. Uh, probably less. Uh, he played the Merchant of Venice in a movie. He did. Oh, t- 2003, maybe? 2003 or four, I think. Yeah. yeah. With Jeremy Irons. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I always. Uh, uh, there's the, there was a movie a few years ago with um, Richard Gere called, I think it was called Norman or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and it was full of like <laughs> non Jewish actors playing jewish people um and i feel like i always i whenever that happens i ask my, my wife's jewish and i ask my wife like does that bother you and she's like no nah, like i'm doing all right <laughs> so i guess i'm like okay i guess i'm not gonna get <laughs> bothered by that yeah but it's yeah norman is like it's like richard gear and steve buscemi and like dan stevens uh yeah not yeah uh, all playing uh new york jews Remember when Sean Connery played an Italian gangster? <laughs> right. Well, he also played a um, a Spaniard. A Spaniard in, in Highlander. Ah, <laughs> uh, and you Frenchman, you're a you're a Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Spaniard. <laughs> <laughs> and he was Agamemnon in uh, Time Bandits. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's he's like I guess he's got that Schwarzenegger thing. He's just like Zarko. this is how I talk. I'll never lose the image of him in Zardos. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't think you're wardrobe. supposed to. Are he's in wardrobe? Like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? That's your Zardos outfit. <laughs> One more trick. Yeah, that's John, no, uh, that's uh, John Borman. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like him. Uh, early as a director. John Foreman. Yeah. Before he went on to do the sword and the stone film. Uh, Excalibur, one of my favorite films of all time. Yes, Nicole Williamson. That's uh, weirdly. So Tyler wasn't on the podcast last week because uh, he uh, he was out of town. We had a fill in. But this is uh, so Tyler doesn't know. This is the second week in a row that Excalibur has come up on the podcast. We talked about <laughs> Excalibur last week uh, as well. One of my favorite Stewart. movies of all time. On horseback, younger Patrick Stewart on horseback, right yeah, sure. to the sword. Yeah, there's so many people in that movie who were like yeah. at the beginning of, of great careers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and so we all, last week we also talked about uh, the sort of um, uh, everyone, you know, people like to play that what if with movies. We talked about the John Borman Lord of the Rings that never got made that kind of like became Excalibur, but he was going to make like a sexy R-rated Lord of the Rings in the early 70s nice. live action that would have been cool but like i said last week we got excalibur out of it so i'll take i'll take this reality (laughs) ah it was a great telling i thought yeah and it used some people that weren't names and it really helped i thought it was great yeah yeah uh okay well uh uh, i'm trying to think what else we 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 have to get to tyler what else is on your uh, agenda to ask we have we have rick overton here it's <laughs> that's true. Uh, and obviously oh, I was, was going to bring up the reason okay. I was bringing up the Jewish thing is because I was bringing up, I was looking again at your IMDb credits and looking at one of my favorite character names on Kirby enthusiasm. You played angry Gentile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the episode where Mitch is going to get married to a Shiksa? And so he's going to have to convert to okay. Christianity for the wedding to go through. And so they're going to baptize him. So we go up to Lake Castaic, but we don't say it's Lake Castaic. It's supposed to be a river mm. and a rushing river. And they couldn't make it rush because it's Lake Castaic. So they got motorboats to blow while they're sitting like it's the moving river. And Mitch gets lost in the river and, and, and Larry pulls up and they don't, he doesn't understand what's going on. And they think they're just drowning a Jewish guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he stops the wedding and uh, stops the, the, the baptism and just ruins the wedding. So the whole family has to dive in. We, Paul, uh, Dooley and I, and, and uh, the whole family, uh, we all dive in to get everybody out. And then we're back at the house and we're soaking wet and we're furious with each other. And uh, I made sure. And then there's supposed to be the wall of people, uh, the, 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 the wasps and the Jewish people. <laughs> okay. And then they're supposed to come together to argue to destroy every last vestige and hope for the wedding. And I was just leaning, uh, I was lining myself up so I'd be there with buddies like uh, David Feldman. So when we go together, it's me and him doing a shtick together, you know, and that's, that's it. That's how it went out. Just furious at Larry and then bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I'm so glad I asked about Angry Gentile. Do you, when you when you play a character called Angry Gentile, and maybe he wasn't called that in the initial. That was the whole uh, the family, and they ruined the wedding. That was right. my motive. You ruined this wedding. It's selfish. Okay. So did you do you ever feel like in a situation like that, like okay, well I'm playing a guy who's identified as a Gentile. What does what's a Gentile sound like stereotypically? And it's just like this is unbelievable. I'm not in favor of this like that. Like if I were to ask to play a Gentile, I feel like I'd probably be really, really articulate and probably uh, perpetually outraged. Uh, right. Uh, well, I just, you know, I'm just, well, I hope you're proud of yourself. Larry. <laughs> hey, Patrician. Yeah. All right. I think, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a good, uh, uh, way to start wrapping this up. Unless, uh, Ricky had something Uh-oh. else he wanted to. Oh, I was enjoying this very much. Oh, so oh. I, but you know, we've been, we should, we tend to try and try and keep it uh, not too much longer than an hour with, uh, with guests, unless we're doing one of our, uh, countdown episodes. Well, yeah. uh, this is loads of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We should, you know, this isn't going to, you know, this doesn't have to be a one-time thing. We will definitely uh, be willing to have you back. Um, The deal. Yeah. So you can find, uh, you you can find uh, Rick Overton set list. uh, Like you said, Amazon prime YouTube, uh, all sorts of other places. Uh, Your own podcast is called Uh, overview. Overview. I've got 50 
different ones from a few years ago, and we just did our 50, and that's it. But there's some interesting guests on. I got Jonathan Winters' last interview. Oh. Wow. I didn't know it would be at the time. Well, I would hope not. Turned out yeah. to be. Yeah. Maybe you, he goes on. It's a long one, and he is so clear and of so course. concise and on top of it. It's mm. great. Really listen to the man. You'll hear struggle with the voice. The body is the part that's failing, but the man, the mind is there. Mm. Uh, that sounds great. That's uh, that's overview. You can find us at battleshipretention.com. You know, you can email us at david at battleshipretention.com. Tyler at battleshipretention.com. I'm on Twitter at Davey Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Uh, Rick, Twitter, anywhere else uh, on the social media? Rick Overton at Twitter. And that's me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, uh, thank you guys. Yeah, and thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.